we have high blood pressure, high cholesterol, high blood sugar, it's common to begin medications to help get these under control rather than do the harder work of taking a look at our lifestyle and see if we maybe need to change our diet or develop better sleeping habits or, or maybe just drink more water. Stay tuned as Dr. Hansen talks about metabolic syndrome and gives us five ways to develop a healthier lifestyle. Hey all, welcome to the one in five, the show for those who want to know how to be healthy, how to stay healthy, and how to promote health in your community. I'm your host, Adam Renshaw, and in today's show, we have Dr. Oren Hansen with us, and we're going to be talking about metabolic syndrome. Oh, I know, huh? Like, what is that? That sounds so complex. How you doing, man? Welcome. I'm great. Thanks for having me back, Good. especially for one of my favorite topics. Um, I, I actually probably just got back from talking about this like three times already this morning. It's so impactful to my work. So oh. I'm, I'm hopefully I'll, f- I'll feel relatively polished with patience. Oh, all day, every day. Oh man. Okay. This so. is the. I think this is one of the roots that causes most problems. Okay. So, well, let's just dive in then. Like, so I've heard it called metabolic syndrome or syndrome X. Does that, does that ring a bell for you? I was looking mm-hmm. this up and as mm-hmm. I was doing that, I saw this syndrome X and that sounds like something I'm like, I don't know the X files or something like that. Like, like the, like the poison bottle that, that you don't want to drink from the, the, the X, X. Yeah. The, yeah. With the Crossbones. crossbones. <laughs> That's right. Syndrome <laughs> skull and crossbones is what they're trying to represent. Yeah. So that like, talk to me, what is, what is metabolic syndrome? Let's go over this. It's one of the most common things that I treat, like I was alluding to okay. earlier. I mean, I, I'm talking about this stuff day in and day out. And that's another reason that I wanted to have this conversation with you is because a more effective way for me to get this information to the people who need it is sharing it with a mass group of people, not one-on-one conversations. Granted, that's valuable. It's extremely valuable. And I yes. think that if you have a receptive listener, you can actually change someone's life with, with a conversation around this particular syndrome. But getting this information out um, is really important to my kind of personal and professional values okay. in caring for a community. Um, so metabolic syndrome, while we're talking about skull and crossbones and, and poison elixirs and whatnot, it's really nothing that imminent. Um, if you get metabolic syndrome, you do not have minutes to live. Unfortunately, it's almost too much of a laid back diagnosis. It's too, we, we say the word insidious, meaning it, it comes on slow and it grows before into a problem before you even really know what, what's happened. Um, metabolic syndrome is basically when I think of it as it's, it's a problem with your metabolism, hence the name metabolism has to do with the body's ability to take in and use fuel to power your body. Metabolic syndrome is a problem with the fuels that you're putting in your body, your ability to burn those fuels and your ability to basically function properly in the absence of burning the proper fuels. Um, 
so I think that's kind of where the term comes from. I'll be honest, I have no idea where syndrome X comes from. Yeah, that's um, it sounds ominous and insidious. Right. <laughs> I mean, but so maybe it's appropriate in that way. And sure. and the thing is, maybe it warrants having a title like that. Maybe a title like that instills some fear into people who want to actually do something about this. So many times when I actually get to do something about someone's problem, it's because they have a symptom. They have pain in their body or they have pain in their soul or their heart or their brain, wherever they're suffering from a symptom. And so they come into me and we try to fix their suffering from that. Mm. Metabolic syndrome, which is characterized by central adiposity, otherwise known as, you know, weight gain, especially in the mid region. Okay. Um, impaired, basically sugar processing. So that, that includes diabetes and pre-diabetes. Your body's not able to regulate the sugar that you're consuming. And that's comes down to kind of a pancreas and the insulin that, that your body produces high blood pressure. (laughs) As, as, as we gain weight, we require a higher pressure than to pump blood to our organs and our body. Um, and that can have long-term detrimental effects. Um, and that's also been known as the silent killer, right? Because that's not something that is symptomatic, correct? Is that so? Right. It really isn't symptomatic until it's it's starting to it, until it has the potential to cause some serious problems, okay. like bl- like blowing a blood blood vessel at a super high pressure. Um, Sorry, I, I interrupted you too on on your train of thought. You oh, it's all good. Three things right there. So, well, and I'll even go back to the to the sugars because that's not super symptomatic either especially in the early stages like i said er, early stages it it's insidious it starts slow and it's not something you're going to notice in your day-to-day life as you look in the mirror you might you know as you reflect on your life and you look at pictures of yourself you might start to notice that you've changed in these in these ways mm. but what i'm trying to highlight is is the reason that this monster that i fight on a day-to-day basis is so powerful is that there's not a good, clear reason telling people to come in and see me for it. Sure, sure. Um, also, it's so prevalent. I mean, it's estimated that one in three Americans suffer from at least mild metabolic syndrome. Yeah, and so that. as we look around and we try to assess what is normal, what is normal living, and we see one in three people and our peers, our colleagues, our friends, our neighbors suffering from this, we're going to kind of start to consider it as being normal. Normalized. I was just going to ask that. So so when when you do start to see something like that, does it become more normal and we tend to maybe think less about it? Do you think that that's a, a fair assessment? I think it's a more than fair assessment. Okay. Um, we have to be motivated um, and incentivized to do things. Um, if 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 something's no, we're considering something normal, it's not a problem. Right, right. And if it's not a problem, we're not going to spend unnecessary energy to try to fix it. Gotcha. Because as you'll learn, when we get into this, fixing this properly does require quite a bit of energy, quite a bit of effort to do it right. But it can be highly successful if done right as well. And so part of my goal, in addition to educating on what this is um, and what it can cause, I want to give people the hope that 
that if we recognize this and we start treating it the right way without distractions of some of the you know less effective treatments okay we can come to a solution that can then gosh not only manage this condition it can completely reverse it and the conditions that that fall within it that's really that's really uh, encouraging uh, oh you know a lot of times absolutely like, you get a cancer diagnosis that almost can seem like a death sentence, right? But if you catch cancer early enough to where it can be treated, success rates are pretty high. Is that is that safe to say? With certain types of cancers, depending on the type of cancer, right? You and right. I have talked about, uh, you've been on here talking about um, prostate cancer. And that was one of the ones that tends to have more of a high success rate and you're more likely to die with it, right? But... The reason why I even say that is because a lot of the times if I'm if I'm talking to a doctor and I hear maybe quote unquote bad news, right? You have high blood pressure or um I think maybe one that you didn't even talk about was cholesterol. That also plays mm-hmm. into this, right? Mm-hmm. You have high cholesterol like those those things can seem really dire, really serious, but they can be treated. They can be reversed um, if attacked in what you said uh, more effective ways, right? Mm-hmm. You talked about less effective ways to deal with this. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I just say that to say that's really encouraging. Um, in other words, something can be done about this. It's not the end of the world, right? Absolutely. And, and I was going to echo that immediately because, and, I, and I'll still echo that immediately, so much of healthcare, patients are kind of in some ways starting to lose hope. There are patients who have these syndromes who are on all the right medications and they take them and they're not getting better. Mm. And they're losing hope because of that. Sure. If we can identify what this problem really is, even if we can start really lumping everything together well actually let's let's kind of complete it we'll say diet you know pre-diabetes or diabetes okay obesity two high cholesterol three you could even say hyper high triglycerides which kind of comes together in like a dyslipidemia or hyperlipidemia they're all kind of that's a problem with uh the the fuel that we take in 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 this with fats Okay. We talked about a little bit about sugars. We can process fats too, and, and, and that's part of the metabolic syndrome, okay. the misprocessing fats. Um, and then we also had, I want to add obstructive sleep apnea, oh. just because when you experience all of these things, people are at a much higher rate to have something called obstructive sleep apnea that can then contribute to high blood pressure, which was... Okay. Actually, I think one that we were just kind of leaving out. No, we had you had talked about it. You had mentioned it. That was one of the first things that you had mentioned was the high Perfect. blood pressure. Perfect. We'll keep recapping that so we're lunch, you know, grabbing everything that's kind of included. But ultimately, we have treatments for each of those individual things. We have medicines for high blood pressure. We have medicines for high cholesterol and high triglycerides. We have medicine for high sugars. We have therapies and interventions that we can do for obstructive sleep apnea. And traditionally, the way that's treated is by prescribing a medicine for each one of those things. Okay. 
and hoping for the best. But like I was just trying to illustrate a few moments ago, I have patients like that who are on all the right things and their numbers still aren't getting better. Their metabolic syndrome is still not getting better. We have to approach this in a different way. And one of the most hopeful ways that I've recently learned about is by employing aggressive lifestyle interventions. And I think that that's something that you you even gave me on my handout. So I know you know something about that. We're going to talk a lot about that today. Let's do it because I was actually taken by a couple of words when it comes to prevention of this. And one was aggressive lifestyle changes. It, It used a very specific adjective there. The other was a lifelong commitment to a healthy lifestyle. So that's, um, that seems like they're using language to, to get across that this is a serious um, issue. So talk to me a little bit about some of what can be done. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is it bad to be taking medications or are there ways to attack this that don't involve medication? The first way to attack this involves no medication. The the problem with kind of our current system of healthcare is it doesn't have a lot of patience to try to allow for things like lifestyle modification. Lifestyle modification takes a lot of time. I've been trying to modify my lifestyle for more than a decade, my, really my whole life, but really in the last decade as I've gained this knowledge and I continue to grow my own knowledge, I'm continuing to grow myself. I can't have expectations that are, you know for my patients I don't even have for myself. Sure, sure. And so the problem with our, our with, you know, our model and the model that I trained in is that we would get 2 to 6 months to try lifestyle interventions before we'd start getting ants in our pants about these numbers not being, you know, changing in the right way. Okay. Nor did we probably have enough, you know, the proper time to educate people on how to make these types of changes because in a busy clinic you're kind of limited with what you can do and so the appeal to be able to prescribe a medicine for these is even stronger. It's um, like the easy button. Well, in a, in a way, it kind of is. It, oftentimes, it will help the number. Um, but the number we should really be paying attention to is things like all-cause mortality, which means are we making people live longer by doing the things that we're doing? Are we improving quality of life for okay. the people that we're doing these things? Those are the questions that I want to know the answers to. And it's it's not clear on how to get those when we look at medicines to treat those problems. There is evidence that's continuing to grow. Actually, it's not, not even that new. It's just been neglected that, that these lifestyle interventions yield tremendous results when it comes to trying to affect and improve all these different things. When it comes to try to improve all-cause mortality, when it comes to trying to improve overall quality of life, Taking an approach to someone's lifestyle, helping them make their the proper modifications so that their body can just function how it's supposed to is the way to cure metabolic syndrome. Okay. And if you cure meta- metabolic syndrome, you get to watch the downstream sequela d- dry up. What What's some of that downstream sequela? It's exactly what we were talking about with diabetes, hypertension, high cholesterol, sleep apnea. Okay. Hypertension. Um, Gosh, I keep. I, I know I'm always omitting one, so I need to. I need, but but all of those things that we've been talking about. Excess body fat. Yep. 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 Exactly. So so then let's go to it. Talk to me about this. These lifestyle interventions. What what can people do to reduce blood pressure? To reduce their tri- 
triglyceride levels and cholesterol to lose some of that excess body fat that you know i, I watched a or as I was reading through this, they, they call it the apple shape and the pear-shaped bodies, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know what I did? <laughs> Went to go look at myself in the mirror. And you were holding an <laughs> apple in one hand and a pear in the other. <laughs> Which one do I look like? <laughs> Hopefully neither, right? <laughs> no, but, like, I'm, you know, 44 now. And ever since I hit 40, it's I've been sort of on this... It feels like a a a, um, a downward trajectory when it comes to being able to manage my weight. I mean, I I am very active, Doctor Hansen. Um, I run. I, I play frisbee. I mean, I I just I love walking, exercise. Mm-hmm. I love all of it. Doing mm-hmm. workouts, uh, resistance training. I love all of that stuff. Um, and I used to be able to just do that and eat whatever I want, right? And so. But that's not a healthy way to think about this, is it? Right, right. And I, I appreciate you sharing that because it's it's a wonderful tangent for me to kind of jump off into how confusing it can really be to try to overcome this. In fact, well, I see people try to do it all the time on themselves and they wind up being just as confused as what you just described. There's so much out there on how to fix it too and that can be extra confusing. So maybe before I talk about what I like to do to fix it, I'll, 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 I'll raise a word of caution about the other entities and other methods that are out there okay. that might try to lure you into using those methods to try to help with these. The problem with a lot of these methods is they're not sustainable. Okay. And metabolic syndrome, if you don't approach it with a sustainable solution, it will come back. It will keep trying to come back because as we get older, it's harder to do things, <laughs> active things, and a bunch of other things that I'm going to list we have to make sustainable lifestyle changes so that this thing goes away and it goes away forever. Some of the things that I don't like and, um, and I don't see much success with personally, I've tried these things. My patients have tried these things and I don't see them working statistically either. There's studies have looked at, looked at them and and there's no benefit. The one I want to warn people most of is just the supplement industry in general. The medicines that I'll talk about, in just a moment, are at least regulated by the Food and Drug Administration. So even though there's there's all kinds of interesting things that might go on with uh, clinical studies and drug studies, most of the time the drug companies will, in the pharmaceutical industry, they'll pay for their studies. And if the study's done well, the FDA re- reviews that study and then gives it approval or not. In the supplement industry, there is no such regulating body oh okay you can go into the supplement business and you can create whatever kind of supplement you want use whatever kind of marketing techniques you want to target whatever population you want well the population you're targeting is someone who is often overweight and doesn't feel good and these people are desperate for something that's going to make them feel better I've been desperate for something like that that's going to make me feel better at one point in my life. And I was willing to try just about anything. The easiest ones were always most appealing. Oh, not just easy, fast. Mm -hmm. Fast and effective. That's what I want. And so a lot of companies will target people and say, hey, do this for three months and you will feel better. Look at the results. This is what all of our clients have been doing. 
there's so many marketing techniques that are going to capture people's interest to do that. There's no evidence that a lot of these supplements, like I said, are never actually studied. They don't have to be studied so that they can be sold. So, so are we talking about like gimmicks? Are we talking about like quick weight loss? Uh, weight loss schemes, whether it's through taking, well, even some diet plans can be unsustainable. Right, but right. I'll talk about you know things like um, just even herbal remedies that, oh, sure. that people might put in a, to a capsule with a collection of other herbal remedies and say, hey, this is the miracle pill that you need to take. Look at me. I've got six-pack abs. I've been taking this for the last week, and it's great. Never do they mention that, you know, I've also been working out every day um, for eight hours for the last, you know, five years. And that yeah. might have not have, you know, of course, that doesn't have anything to do with how I look or feel. <laughs> so um, take this pill for eight weeks and you'll get, you'll get, you'll, it, it burns fat. I've seen that. Some right? of them, they'll just ask, they'll just, they'll just, they'll put a calorie restriction on top of their supplement and then they'll just, you know, they can starve people. That's kind of what the slim fast does to some okay. degree. Okay. Although you end up being wildly hungry on that one. Ultimately, what I'm trying to say is beware of supplements. They're not regulated. They're not really investigated scientifically to work. If they were, and if they did work that well, I have a strong suspicion that the pharmaceutical industry, which I'll talk about next, would already nab up those supplements and they'd be charging insurance buku bucks and making a killing off of those supplements. Okay. So the pharma there are pharmaceuticals that we can offer and, and gosh, the first one that kind of comes to mind are there there's a group of medicines called GLP one agonists and that's the Ozempics that you're hearing about. That's the Victozas, the Munjaros. Um there are medicines that were designed to treat diabetes that wonderfully have the side effect of weight loss. And so then you also tend to improve cardiovascular risk uh, risk, and, um, and you can achieve normal body habitus. With that, you often improve blood sugars. And so this seemed like it was, well, actually seemed like it's going to be a very good medication, especially for diabetic folks. People are using it exclusively for weight loss, and it's even had FDA approval for that because it's been beneficial. The way it really works is that it's thought to slow your gastric emptying, meaning that your stomach feels fuller for longer, and then you just don't want to eat more on top of that. Okay. And so it's kind of like if you felt nauseous most of the day, you just might not eat that much because you don't feel hungry. Right. Sure. Um, it's kind of working, and it's working for patients of mine. It's working for people that I know. My concern with that is in the absence of other lifestyle modification, this may come back once that medicine stopped. Okay. And once you stop that medicine, now you've removed the variable that helped you succeed and there's nothing keeping you from going back to where you were. In fact, they have medicines like this and they were, they were, there's a handful of medicines that we've used. Um, they end up being kind of like stimulants, um, there's some that have to do with um, sugar and fat metabolism in your gut or in your kidneys. And they just kind of help. The theory is, is they're trying to eliminate, it almost cause malabsorption of calories. Oh, okay. So then you're not getting all those calories. You can still eat what you want. Those are even worse. It'll, it actually, it even supports the lifestyle that you've been living. Um, to eat whatever I want and run 10 miles and be okay. Right, right. <laughs> so, 
those are just some options, some things that get used to treat metabolic syndrome, whether it's being prescribed by you know a provider or if it's been self-medicated or you know something that you're you're finding over the counter or being targeted at with digital ads uh, yeah <laughs> it's insane i get nailed some, with those man and i i, I, pow- I it's I, incredibly powerful <laughs> it's incredible yeah. i want to be a salesman it was my first job i want to be yeah uh, i want to be a pharmaceutical salesman and the tech the tricks and techniques that they use to to, to rope people in it's almost criminal yeah no i hear you man so then here's some things not to do talk to me about some yes. things to do yes okay you talked about one of them but i find that this is a common misconception in our society um that exercise is the only way to be healthy if you sure, want to be sure. healthy you got to exercise if you want to be fit and if you want to have a normal body habitus you got to exercise and a lot of people look at that and say, all right, well, count me, consider me unsuccessful. I'm not even going to try. I already mm. know that I can't exercise. Maybe I have chronic pain in my knees or my back or my neck and I can't, and I don't think that I can exercise. So does that mean that I'm doomed and I'm never going to be able to overcome this metabolic syndrome? Absolutely not. In fact, I think exercise is one of the hardest things for us to do. Um, when we have the incentive to exercise, going back into history, if we needed to chase a woolly mammoth down to eat it, we were hungry. So we exercised because we were hungry and we needed the calories. We exercise for different reasons now. Granted, you can get some endorphins and, and, and those types of things that make you feel good. And a lot of people who exercise every day almost need exercise to continue to feel good in a way because you kind of produce your own endorphins. Sure. Um, and I'm not, I'm not knocking it in that way. I'm just saying that it's it's probably not the most biologic and primitive form of us to maintain our weight. Okay. Historically, as we were cavemen, there probably weren't anyone exercising to maintain their weight. So it wasn't really an instinct that we, we evolved with over time. Um, a better way to try to maintain our weight is to abstain from calories. And we I, did that all the time. Yeah, I I could tell that's where you were going with this. Um, just looking back and in, into the past, like you know, typically you'd see in history where you know we, we live in a resource rich time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and well, rich of calories anyway, calorie rich time. Correct. Yes. Um, you know, I I just did a a podcast with with Tiffany Klein about her community garden, which will release here uh, actually before this one nice, comes out. Nice. And one of the things uh, that we were talking about on that was we, we actually, so there, there is a group of people and that struggle with getting food. Uh, but we, what I meant by resource rich was we have food banks and we have programs um, in our society that we live in, at least here in America, right? Um, where if we're struggling being able to meet those needs for our family and, and provide for those things, we have resources that we can go to to get it. However, oftentimes when we go to get from those resources, we're not getting the best. We're not getting necessarily stuff that is healthy or good for the body. Mm-hmm. So... I, I kind of hijacked what you were saying there. Please continue with your thought about 
abstaining from calories. Well, I, I actually just I'm going to leave it right there because I want to get to the other things too. Okay. Okay. It's 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 not complicated. It's relatively simple, but we do have to be mindful of a few different things. I'm going to talk about four kind of basic human needs that I've identified personally as being some of the most important things that people need for their body to be treated well. The reason I talk so much about these is because I think, and I often tell this, I'll just use the quote that I share with my patients on a, on a f- almost daily basis. I might have even shared it with you on the podcast, to be sure. honest. But I believe that there is no medicine, and I don't believe that there's any specialist physician anywhere in the world that's going to be better at fixing our bodies than our body is at fixing itself. When I was learning about the human body in medical school, the processes are so intricate. The way that your kidneys regulate your electrolytes and your blood pressure and your fluids, the way that your your lungs deliver the right amount of oxygen to and the way that your your muscles and your brain all power this to work, you know, in harmony together. You can't convince me that there's anyone on the planet who knows how to do that better than your body was designed. I will argue that until I'm blue in the face. Nice. So, why don't we treat the body? Why don't we put the body in the perfect situation so that the body can start fixing all of these problems for us? Because there are functional problems that people end up having, but I think what I'm hearing you say is some of those problems can be prevented. Absolutely. I, I would say most of them can. Okay. Um, okay. The way we do that is giving our body exactly what it needs. And, the, and I'll go through these in the order of what I think the body needs most in okay. order to just survive and just to be alive. Hit me. I can't wait. First one's water. Okay. Water. W- water is the, the fundamental molecule to basically all of our body's processes. There's almost... Almost every single cellular process that creates, that goes through a reaction and creates energy or, um, you know, allows our body to, really energy is the one that we are, we're talking about. This is metabolic syndrome. This is metabolic. Um, water is essential to that. Water is what we evolved with drinking. I think the oldest dated Homo sapien that they've found is, is estimated to be something like 180,000 years old. We have been drinking water all of that time. The only time we don't drink water is in the first one to five years of our life when we were drinking breast milk. And, and at that point, our nutrients from that, right? Oh, and we needed a lot of nutrients because that's a point of that's a that's a, that's a point in our life with high physical and mental development. We need all the calories we can get. In fact, if we had mayonnaise in those first five years, pi- I'm kidding, but like <laughs> pile it on. Calorie dense foods in those first five years are totally cool. But we didn't get them after that. After that, we got water. Water is the sure. only liquid we drank. Yeah, we didn't drink anything with even any. Sh- any calories in it, really, especially sugar. Um, so water We're is like critically pop, important. Like juice, right? I drank juice every day growing up. Yeah, it's sugar water in a lot of cases. Yeah. So I drank Coca Cola. Oh man, I loved yeah. it. <laughs> so, and then I realized there's a day that came. It was actually my early, you know, when I first got married, that me and my wife realized, is this, you know, is this the best thing for us to be drinking? Like. You know, slow incremental changes of still putting other stuff in my body. Anyways, water. 
Sorry. No, I, 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 I'm with you. And, and actually, when you said slow incremental changes, that's actually key. That's nice, key. Nice. We, we talked about aggressive words to kind of put the fear of, uh, <laughs> the, the fear of metabolic syndrome into people. <laughs> right. But the truth is, is no one can change these that radically. And they make these changes like that radically. Uh, most of the time when you are doing them radically like that, it, we want it to be sustainable. We want to be realistic. We want to do what people can actually do. So if that just means small steps, if that means starting with water and still eating whatever the heck you want, fine at least we're just drinking water now and we've eliminated these other liquid calories that our body was never evolved to you know maybe in ten thousand years if we're still drinking soda pop our pyloric sphincters will get you know smaller and smaller so it can now regulate liquid calories but for the last 180,000 years they haven't had to do that and so i think liquid calories in the absence of water are actually if not the most one of the most driving you know strongest forces driving metabolic syndrome so that's water i i want if if i in a perfect world i personally would drink nothing but water everyone i knew would drink nothing but water in the perfect world we'd all have perfect you know delicious tasting water to drink and i know a lot of people even out where i live south of town don't have access to potable water and so it might not even be kind of a reality for some folks you know what um you know what Dr. Mark calls water? I would love to know. Pre-coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Before it passes through the grounds. Uh, <laughs> so is coffee like not necessarily the best to be drinking or like? Don't Dr. tell me. Dr. Mark, if you're listening, <laughs> turn it down for the next 30 seconds. Um, what I'll say about coffee is coffee caffeine's a known a well-known diuretic and so even though water or coffee is mostly water you do get some of that diuretic effect that could contribute to dehydration now i have a i have a theory and 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 a belief that the human body can pretty much adjust to anything that we start doing to it and so if you're drinking coffee every day your body's going to figure out how it needs to get the hydration that it needs despite what you're doing to it with the caffeine um, so I don't think that caffeine is too detrimental to this whole situation. Thank God. Um, <laughs> so, so, but sorry, I also I gotta, tell you real okay. quick, you yeah. don't need caffeine. Yeah. Yeah. You could be sitting here just like you are without caffeine. I'm doing it. Every time I come in here, I get mint tea from you and I feel just as energetic as I did when I was drinking four cups of coffee a day. And that was just three years ago. Is it green? Doesn't green have a little bit? It's mint. Oh, okay. I don't think so there's it's just herbal. Yeah, it's just herbal. Oh, good. Okay. You're what a great example. Thank you. I, <laughs> <laughs> you got it, man. I, it's funny because, you know, I, I'm sitting there joking about pop. I drink a ton of water. I love water. That's that's my that's my go to, right? All the time. But I do love a cup of green tea. I do love, you know, coffee. Um and and so, you know, I mean, it just it just goes to show, you know, like, well, actually, before we confuse the listeners, because I want them to drink coffee and green yeah, tea. Yeah, sure, sure. I, because there's no calories in that. That's what we're really talking about. The, the, the misprocessing of sugar, the okay. misprocessing of sugar, the misprocessing of fats um, causing metabolic syndrome. And Thank so, you for that clarification. So at least with the green tea, if it doesn't have any cream or sugar, drink as much as you'd like. 
with the coffee, no cream and sugar, drink as much as you like because that's not going to be contributing to this awesome. quite so much. Even when it comes to blood pressure, you might say, oh, caffeine's got a stimulant. Maybe it's going to raise my blood pressure. Well, it's a stimulant, but it's also a diuretic. So we treat people's blood pressure with diuretics all the time. It might end up with a, in a wash. So don't worry about caffeine. We kind of got on a tangent there. Okay, sorry. Um, I will say in Back terms of lifestyle medicine, though, addiction to anything, whether it's capsaicin or spicy food or, or caffeine or, or methamphetamines or heroin, uh, you know, all addictions might be something that you might want to just assess whether or not you really need in your life. Um, awesome. But we all have them. So the next one, so we talked about water. The next one's kind of a tie. I need to do a little bit more research into this, but from what I kind of understand, sleep and food kind of fall together. Um, proper sleep and the right f- foods are almost, I would say, equally essential in the terms of if we withheld you from sleep or if we withheld you from food, um, they would have similar effects over a similar time frame. I think you know, weeks to months is about what we can last without food and sleep. And really what happens is, is the same thing with sleep and uh, food, our metabolic processes kind of start to shut down. Um, we get, you know, derangements uh, that don't in our electrolytes that don't allow our organs to function. Um, and and sleep also ends up being so critical for our immune system. We can be susceptible to disease uh, and other problems when we're robbed of that. And so, um, I'll say we, we start with water, but but quality sleep um, and quality foods. What I'm learning with foods as I learn more about things like lifestyle medicine um, is the power of vegetables. Mm. Oh, those, those uh, infamous vegetables around here, a tough sell for me at one point in my life and still in some instances, a tough sell. Sure. I'm a, I'm a son of a cattle of cattle ranchers. Um, we eat as much meat as we can. Um, and, we were, we kind of relied on that for our livelihood, but also, you know, for our, just sustain our bodies. And, and a lot of folks are the same way around here. Trying to get them to eat less meat is an impossible endeavor. I'm not even going to try that. But what I can try to do is I can try to add vegetables and vegetables. Actually, can I ask you, I'm going to put you on the spot real quick because I'm just curious. Um, I feel like you're, you, you are here in representing uh, ever, everyone that I am trying to help. And when you've heard people tell, tell you that you should eat your vegetables, right? Mm-hmm. Why? What's so good about vegetables? What do you know that's so darn good about vegetables? That's a good question. Um, I did see Bella Gentry one time, and it was just for, a, like, she was doing some tests on me, and she took my A1C, and she said, up, you're a little high. You're what's in pre-diabetes range, and she told me. I said, "Well, well, how do I get out of pre-diabetes range?" And one of the things that I remember, she probably told me a lot more. So, Bella, if you're if you're listening to this, I, I'm I'm sure that you <laughs> you you ran the gamut with me on this. But one of the things she told me was to eat lots of deeply pigmented vegetables. And that stuck out to me, but I never thought to ask her why, Dr. Hansen. So, uh, uh, because they're rich in uh, nutrients and vitamins would be my guess that are beneficial to the body. Perfect. (laughs) You you answered perfectly. That's exactly what I would have answered. Um, 
maybe even five years ago, to be honest, uh, they're loaded with vitamins and nutrients. Um, and then what Dr. Gentry was talking about, uh, being colorful vegetables, uh, I, I just learned about that. And those are called phytonutrients. Okay. Phytonutrients are, are come from these different you know, colors and, and their power really has to do a lot with like antioxidants and that, that can be good at fighting um, mistakes in our DNA that can cause cancer and those types of things. I think that that's kind of a stretch. And, and, and as we get, and this is, this is the reason I asked you that question is because I think the public's perception is exactly what you answered. Okay. Vitamins and nutrients, vitamins and minerals. We get those from, from, from vegetables. Well, we can also get that from a multivitamin. I can give you a multivitamin and give you almost all, replace all the vitamin and nutrients that you would otherwise get. So why not just drink, a, you know, eat a multivitamin and then continue to drink your, you know, soda pop and junk food? Yeah. Answer that question. Fiber. Oh. The amount of fiber oh. is what is so important to the vegetables. Okay. So it's not necessary. It's, is it a marriage or is it just more like we're just leaning over here? I mean, vegetables are incredible. They're, they're, it, it might be... As I learn more about them, the, you know, they, 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 they might be the medicine we're really all looking for in terms of their ability for, to allow our body to fix its mistakes. And if you think about us evolutionarily, yeah, we were pretty good hunters. We might have been pretty good at gathering, you know, you know killing animals or, or catching fish, but probably not as easy and, as, as going and foraging for food that was just kind of reliable in there, if we, especially once we got acquainted with it. So our bodies have been processing vegetables fruits plants that are rich in fiber and when you get high foods that are high in fiber what you start to affect is something called the calorie density of food you can have foods that are high calorie density meaning a lot of calories in a small volume or you can have foods that are low calorie density meaning that there's not a whole lot of calories but there's a heck of a lot of you know, volume there. So am I hearing you correctly in saying that you can eat more and get filled off of these low calorie foods? Is that, is that where you're going with this? Dude, you're so spot on. You're so spot on. And the key to weight loss and kind of the cure for metabolic syndrome is to keep your stomach (laughs) full. Okay. Keep your stomach full. Nice. If you can keep your stomach stretched, Whenever your stomach gets stretched, your stomach releases a chemical called um, leptin. And this leptin gets released into your bloodstream. It acts on your brain and it makes you feel full. If I could inject leptin in your vein, even though you were completely, you were ravenously hungry, it would trick your brain into feeling that you were full. I think it's not been developed because I think it would get abused (laughs) or something. I don't know really why. It's not, it's not an actual drug that you can give. Um, but you do the same thing if you stretch your stomach out. You do it if you eat it, you know, any any meal. I, I mean, I just did it with a Subway sandwich. I just um, did it too with a Subway hey, sandwich, man. man, you are <laughs> half a man of What'd you have? Heart. Tell me. Always get the Italian. Oh, But um, nice. I probably could modify that. With and, a bunch of highly bunch of vegetables. vegetables. You know what I did differently today that I never do with my Italian that I'm just trying to do in this example of small changes? Mm. I put green peppers on it. I don't have a big fan of green peppers, okay. but I'm trying to make myself like them because, man, if you don't like vegetables, yeah. do anything you can to make yourself like them. They are the best thing you can, one of the, well, second to water, sure, <laughs> the best sure. thing you can put in your body. So I don't want to spend too much time because I'll get caught up in this. I could have a whole conversation just about 
these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we talked about water, sleep, which real quick, humans should get seven to nine hours. Anyone who's getting less is probably, well, some people can get used to it. Like I said, if you drink coffee every day, your body's going to find a way to get hydrated. If you sleep six hours every day for your whole life, you probably alter your cellular process, allow you to function. But if you're getting six hours and you're feeling tired and sluggish every day, you should probably be getting closer to seven to nine hours. Okay. A way, few simple ways to do that. Real dark room. Our bodies produce our own melatonin when our optic nerve from our eyes senses that it's dark outside. And so when it gets dark, our eyes start to produce its own melatonin, making us sleepy, making us have a restful sleep. I'm not a huge fan of melatonin supplementation because that might, in some theories, and, and I've, t- I mean, I've learned this from some sleep specialists, it may suppress our own melatonin production. The natural production of our own bodies. By taking it okay. from an outside outside source. And that's kind of also something that's produced by the supplement companies that's not super highly regulated. Okay. Um, so I'm skeptical of, of, of people taking melatonin. I'd rather have someone put on an eye mask that completely shuts out the light and now their brain's starting to be flooded with their own natural melatonin. Okay. It should be cool. So our body, core body temperature drops about two degrees when we go to sleep. And so if we have the ability to make our room cooler, our sleeping environment cooler, whether it's air conditioning or a fan or a window, we should make an effort to try to do that. Our body has its own way of doing that, which is sweating. Um, sweating in a in a stagnant room, though, is not quite as effective as if you have moving air. So a fan can be really effective to try to cool you off if you're getting too hot. The other effective thing you can get from a fan is white noise because that's the last sure. thing I wanted to mention okay. is it has to be quiet. So cool, dark, and quiet. Um Little noises rouse us from sleep and allow it keeps us from getting into our deepest levels of quality sleep. And so if we can have a little white noise with a white noise machine that you can buy for, you know, $10 to $20 at Walmart. There's or apps Amazon, on your phone that you can get. Apps now. on your yeah. phone for free. Yeah. Um, or a fan kind of kills two birds with one stone. Um, nice. So those are my th- tips on sleep. The last thing I'll say for lifestyle, focusing on lifestyle is love. Mm. I actually think <laughs> I was listening to <laughs> KRWS uh, 100.7 uh, on on the radio coming over here, and I heard the Beatles song, and, and we've been saying this like intermittently over the last six months. But all you need is love. All you need is love. <laughs> all you need is love, and water, and sleep, and good food. Nice. We'll say that. But when I say love, that's also kind of implies the absence of stress. Um, I think when we have abundant love and support in our life that's kind of the cure for um excessive stress and when we have excessive stress it's hard to find that love and support that's not a perfect example and maybe i need to make you know those into two separate things but i see stress really cause a lot of problems for the human body in terms of metabolic syndrome sure when people are stressed they don't make good decisions around food and it makes sense. And I'm going to explain it to you. It's not anyone's fault. And I've heard a lot of people say, oh, well, do you know, actually, there's some physicians who actually could benefit from a lot of these techniques. And I've heard people say, well, you know, that fish that physician doesn't even take care of themselves. They're overweight. You know, how can they be giving advice to, you know, people? Well, it's not 
that they have a choice. It's because that person's stressed out. When we're stressed out, sure. we don't want to make good food decisions. I I used to pay attention to my own body when we were going to residency and we'd have stressful rotations and more easy, you know, easier rotations where you got less or more sleep, you had more responsibilities, etc. After a weekend of working a 24-hour shift and, you know, and then rounding in the ICU, I promise you I was not going to the salad bar. I was not going to have <laughs> granola for breakfast. I was going straight for the pizza and french fries. No doubt, huh? And if your body was stressed out as a caveman and a saber-toothed tiger were trying to chase you and kill you, you would want pizza and french fries too because those pizza and french fries are simple sugars they're they're simple carbohydrates that then get broken down into glucose that then gets converted to atp which is our fuel quickly and that allows us to run from that stinking saber-toothed tiger yeah or create a brilliant plan on how to fight it off um you know by 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 giving your brain the sugar that it needs to come up with something creative that humans have the ability to do so when we get stressed out the reason that we crave bad food like that is because our adrenal glands produce us you know a, a series of hormones that are you know the fight or flight hormones it's going to be adrenaline epinephrine norepinephrine um steroids basically cortisol cortisol um mineral corticoids glucocorticoids and what we actually what those medicines do is they make you crave those kind of foods. Mm. I can simulate that in my in my day-to-day life by giving you a medicine called prednisone or a steroid medicine. What that medicine's going to do is it's going to make you want to be awake, alert, like a saber-toothed tiger's chasing you, but it's also going to make you crave food, especially foods that are high in sugar. These medicines are known across the board for causing people to have metabolic syndrome. When gotcha. people are on chronic steroids, they're you can actually induce metabolic syndrome in the same way that you were causing someone to have chronic stress. Jeez. So it's not just exercise. Actually, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I really didn't mention exercise. It's not even on that list of your four needs. Let's throw it in there though, because it really is part of lifestyle medicine, but I don't want to get too creative with or too aggressive with that. I want to just say movement. The studies around exercise show that the biggest benefit come even within the first 15 minutes that you do per day, you know, or, or three times a week. After that, the level, the, the rate of benefit starts to level off. Um, and so if, if people aren't moving, if they're sedentary, completely sedentary, I want them to start just moving. Maybe you like to dance. Maybe you like to walk your dog. Maybe there's, maybe you what what I call free exercise is what I like to do. I got a wood stove. I'll go cut some wood. I'll go cut some firewood. I'll mow my own lawn. I'll I'll keep moving to keep my body moving. And occasionally I'll do something that really challenges it and and really puts it through something strenuous. um, So my body can kind of adapt to that situation. Movement is really important too. I don't want to discredit that. But what I find is that when people are depressed and they have chronic pain they don't want to exercise. And Word. so that's not always the first thing that I go after because if I spend all my time talking about exercise, I find that it might not be an intervention that's going to be done by most people. Whereas if I can say, hey, maybe switch from regular pop to diet pop. And then if you want to take a step further, switch from diet pop altogether, which can actually kind of increase your cravings for other foods to just liquids with no calories. Um, and no other sugars of any kind, like water, like tea, 
like coffee. Dr. Hansen, wow, man. Like, I sure appreciate the breadth of knowledge. And this is obviously something that you have really thought through. Um, it's close to you. Um, and I can see uh, this this passion to want to help others um, and and affect them in a really healthy way. So a uh, lot of information here, but really good information. Um, and so what I want to do is just, I just want to recap these four things real quick before uh, we're at time here and uh, drink lots of water, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm hearing you yeah, correctly. Yeah. Super rare that you can you can drink too much of it. You will have to. You might have to pee. Um, yeah, no. You yeah. have to get really creative to affect your electrolytes. But but okay. but the, but the more water you can have around you at all times, the better hydrated you can you can you can stay. The the, the more full you're going to feel, the more energy you're going to have. Nice. Sometimes when our kids are hungry for snacky stuff, we say, "Hey, go drink a drink some water." It'll buy you time. Yeah. It'll it's buy you time. A little bit, yeah. So so drink a lot of water, seven to nine hours of sleep per night. Good food. Se sorry, seven to nine hours in a in a dark, cool, quiet room. Bingo. Maybe filled with some white noise. Bingo. Uh, good food. And that's a whole nother that we didn't even really get into much depth. We did talk about vegetables and the importance of the calorie low... Calorie density, yeah. calorie, low calorie low, density food. Low. Actually, the last example I'll give you on that, um, just to tie the, you know, just to bring the point home, a tablespoon of ranch dressing, about a hundred calories, a whole entire head of iceberg lettuce, about a hundred calories. Yeah, that's the philosophy behind Noom, isn't it? Like what they try to do. Have I'm you heard of weight loss app? No. Yeah, it's really just educating you on, okay, you can get 20 calories this way or you can get 20 calories this way. Mm -hmm. You can get 100 calories this way or you can get 100 calories this way. Really? What are you going to do? And that's and that's fuel you're putting in your body. And, yeah. and, 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 and granted, if you were malnourished and you were trying and you were, I mean, you were skinning bones on the Serengeti and you were trying to escape a saber-toothed tiger, you would crave that ranch dressing for a reason because you really need that high calorie density food yeah but if you're suffering from metabolic syndrome and you're trying to lose extra weight that you don't need because you already have plenty of calories you're going to want to focus on low calorie density foods like vegetables because of their rich in vitamins fiber. and fiber and oh. nutrients <laughs> Sorry. Oh, you were about to say it. fiber and uh. i said vitamins dang it <laughs> I'm learning, man. Uh, yeah, we all are. We all are. Number four, love. Or all you need is love. The absence of stress. Um, if you have love in the absence of stress, it's going to be so much easier to make those good decisions. I find it to be like, like shivering when you're cold. If you were sitting here shivering and cold, I could tell you, Adam, quit shivering. And you could think about it and you could hold your body still for a moment. But as soon as we start talking about something else, you start to shiver because it's a reflex. Your body's trying to achieve homeostasis. Um, the same happens with when we're stressed. Our body's just trying to help us survive. If we're stressed out all the time, we're not going to be making good, healthy decisions. So we need to try to make it so the stress is improved. So now that we can make better decisions about what we're putting in our body. Nice. It's a downstream and then exercise would be the last one, uh, and that's <laughs> just a, a, it's not a super 
um, important thing according to you and, and minimal um, and uh, move it. And just if you move. can move, just movement. Move. Yeah, that's if that's you can good. get moving, especially in something that you like, yeah. if you love it, then you really got it made. If you love to run, I do. You then you really have it made. If you get energy from something like that, well, I'm not going to say you got got it made because you. But when in terms of exercise, you do. Sure. You've, you've, I you've, still you've can't eat whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You still have to do that. But what I'll say is, um, is the people who who find joy in their movement, and it's so much easier to maintain your calories in that way. Um, so what I try to tell people is, and you know, if, if you've always hated long distance running, don't go try to run marathons. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, you know, go dancing, go sprinting, go hiking. Um, you know, maybe riding a bike is something you like to do with a kid, and you know, haven't ridden a bike in twenty years. Maybe riding a bike is something you know fun for you. Be creative. There's that. That's when I think it's you know technology can be really helpful. You know, it helps us find things that are sure. individual to us that are Cut sustainable. Wood, play with your daughter. Yeah. And if you like it, you can do it forever. And that's the key to fixing metabolic syndrome. Dude, thank you so much. My pleasure. For Thanks for in. having me. I sure oh, appreciate it. You, you saved me a lot of actually, you might have saved me a lot of conversations, a lot of calories myself by being able to reach more people. Uh, well, that's my one hope. at a time. That's my hope, really, is that we're going to be able to get this information out, Dr. Hansen, Heck yeah. To, Heck yeah. Um, uh, to, to a number of people that aren't able to maybe or or reluctant to come into the doctor's office right. and maybe visit with you or somebody and have this type of conversation. So yeah. hopefully that's what happens and this spurs this um, this this desire to to do something hey power to the people awesome thanks all for listening appreciate you we'll talk to you next time